e hoa kia kahara tātou ki te whāngai nei i nga tini pūrākau. Pēnei nga atua, pēnei nga tūpuna kia pakari rawa te tūai tēnei whakatūpuranga. We need to ensure that we keep our traditional stories alive about our ancestors so that our future generations will know about them. I'm Mariah Rakraku. And I'm Justin Murray. You're with Tiahika on Radio New Zealand National. For the next hour, we've got you covered with all things Māori. This week saw an agreement reached between Tuhoe Iwi and the Crown to settle the Tuhoe Raupatsu. And a major part of that process, which is still to be finalised, involves steps which will aid in rectifying certain wrongs. And while Tuhoe is at the beginning of that stage of this process, Hapu Ngāti Turangi Tukua have finalised plans with the Taupo District Council to have their street names corrected from misspellings and changed to incorporate Ngāti Turangi Tukua Whakapapa. While this is all part of the 1998 Treaty of Waitangi Settlement, the question is, given the history of the Turangi Township, would this have happened anyway? We've put in right things that were promised years ago, and we're just making sure we... um, It's it's all about relationships with us. We want to have good relationships with people, and uh, if this is a one step of, of achieving that, then that's what we do. Had it not been for that Treaty of Waitangi Settlement... Would the district council have gone down this path anyway? Who knows, but it's there. It's there now. District Manager of Public Parks and Spaces, John Rudd, from the Topol District Council. And Tina Purau from Ngāti Turangi Tukua join us soon. Then it's to Apahat and Ōrongo Mai Marae with Hemi Kara. And with the Waiata Māori Music Awards hosted by Ngāti Kahunganu and held a few nights ago in Hastings, we're going to give you the experience of being there playing songs from the evening's nominees. That's what's in style for y'all in tonight's edition of Te Ahika. Te Ahika, Radio New Zealand National. As we've mentioned in past shows, the Ingoa Tsuturu, Māori place names, often incorporate stories or events that are memorialised. And often, it's when visiting an area for the first time that a landmark, seen day in and day out by locals, really jumps out and becomes obvious to fresh eyes, so to speak. Take my trip to Porangahau recently, when, with locals Morehu Smith and Te Poriti Tipene, I visited a house with a pristine view and the corridor to go along with it. Now look, look at this. Wow. Look at this, so this is the, this is the view. You've got to have a, now over there. Over and welcome to the beautiful Porongahau Beach. Um, yeah, I'm fortunately enough to, to come and stay at my um, great-grandfather-in-law, he is, um, and come and stay and, and enjoy this beautiful place and this beautiful view that we've got. Um, 
Yeah, so welcome and enjoy it. <laughs> kia ora, kia ora. Oh, I'm so jealous that you wake up to this every morning. <laughs> Thank you, kia ora. Sorry, what was your, what was your name? Helen. Helen Stoddard. Helen Stoddard. And then we have a bit of an explanation. Helen is, uh, lives here and almost kind of ha- rolled up unexpectedly just to have a look at the million-dollar view here in uh, Porangahau, in Port Alps Porangahau Beach. Okay, um... Can you just t- describe where we're standing? Uh, okay, now we're standing... To me, this is the best view of the, of the Porangahau Beach that we have, of all the beach houses. And it used to belong to the Stoddard family, and it still does belong to the Stoddard family, but the house is on the market at the moment, and her daughter-in-law, Helen, is here at the moment to let us in. I often bring visitors up here to have a look at the view, which is absolutely beautiful, especially on a nice day. Oh, good. Kia ora. <laughs> It's the most special place in my heart because can you see the image of the man lying down? There, look. Did you know his his forehead, his eyebrow, his nose? Oh my gosh! There's a that's a, There's face a man lying, lying down. down. That's oh. how I see him. I you t- you can see what I mean, eh? Yeah, yeah, I can see him. Mouth, nose, eyebrow. And then his chin, yeah. And then it comes to his neck, and then his puku, or his chest. Yeah, yeah, or his chest. That's the last place that I want to see before I go to the Urupa or the cemetery. Not that I'll see it, <laughs> but um, I grew up down the beach here, just along the road, um, and I knew every nook and cranny of the beach. But how that got its name is that a man called Mahu came from Kairako, which is further down up the coast, and he he came too far and turned around and went back and to um, to Kairako. And the beach itself is called Te Pairahi. Te Pairahi. Yeah, Te Pairahi Moana, Te Pairahi Whenua. Um, our maungas, um, Jawapūtaki is our maunga, or our mountain. Tauri Kaitai. Is the, the river. Oh, yes. You can yep. see it there, flowing oh, into the oh, sea. Yep. And, um, and it flows into the Te Pairahi Sea, or Moana, the Pacific Aye. Ocean, actually. Aye. But our people... Um, have always, this has always been their beach, right, right from there or around further even, where they've gathered the seafood right down the coast here to where the Stollards are, which is um, the family who own this house, Wally Stollard, uh, Peter Stollard, um, uh, early settler families of the area. You can see through there a kind of cap or peak. Oh, yes. Now, that's known as... Frenchman's Cap, and it was at that point, I can't remember the Māori name for it, that's over at, um, towards Ellsthorpe. It was on that cap um, that a man called Te Angiangi gave the land that, as far as you could see, to the descendants of Te Patui Apiti, who mm. was a great chief in his time, um, and it was because Te Angiangi couldn't maintain or get the food 
example, the feast and this feast, uh, our meeting house, uh, I mean, our dining room is called Te Ua Ua Tamariki Atarangi Wawahia, um, which relates to a, one of the feasts of Tiangiangi uh, Antipat, between Tiangiangi Antipatuiapati. I kia ora, Morihu Smith and Te Puriti Tipene, and the lovely whānau at that whare. I can picture that view right now. To hear the all again, or in fact any of our previous programmes, check out the webpage radionz.co.nz forward slash Te Ahika. You're listening to the sound of Te Ahika with Justine Murray and Mariah Rakuraku. It's your boy, Taina. Tu Rangitsukua. Have you heard of it? If you've driven through the central plateau through to Taupo and beyond, you've passed it. Tu Rangitsukua. Tu Rangi. Aye, that's the actual name for what we know as Turangi, that is both an ancient and recent history. For Tuwharetua Iwi, it's as old as the river Tongariro that flows through it and the mountain Pihanga. For some second or third generation families in Turangi, it started with the development of a township created under duress for Tuwharetua Iwi and the hapu of the area, Turangi Tukua. Kia ora, my name is Tina Porau and I'm Ngāti Tirangi Tukua um, and I'm a trustee for the Ngāti Tirangi Tukua Charitable Trust, uh, so kia ora. Now what is Ngāti Tirangi Tukua? Um, Ngāti Tirangi Tukua is a hapu of Ngāti Tuwharetua and our tribal rohe is situated in and around the Tūrangi Township, which was confiscated by the Crown um, in, the, in the 1960s for the Tongariro Power Development. So our main rohe, uh, it, it includes the whole township, takes in our maunga pihanga and our awa Tongariro. Um, and so it's a, it's a very important place to us, but it's one that's had a very checkered history. Was the township confiscated under the Public Works Act for the dam? It was um, confiscated to make a village or a town for the workers of the dam. So um, our, our whole, most of our rohe was taken under the Public Works Act. The Tūrangi Township didn't exist before 19, uh, 1962. There was nothing here. It was all farmland and Māori land. So the Crown came in. They had two options. One was to take a block of privately owned land for the for the town, and the other was to take Māori land. Well, they chose to take all the Māori land, so it was all confiscated. And that happened, happened under the Public Works Act? It did, in the 60s. So, as I said, at the hearings, I was there, I was at high school, and I was waitressing, but my, um, my nanny's brother was there when the bulldozers came through. His mother stood in front of the bulldozers to try and stop them running through really important sites for Tūrangitukwa. So the claim was a culmination of a long fight to be recognised that that land had been taken. So when the confiscation occurred for the power project, uh, the council at the time and the Ministry of Works agreed that we would have the right to name all of the street names and also Tūrangi. Um, unfortunately, at that time, they didn't understand the importance of our uh, tūpuna names uh, and making sure that all of the, the full spelling and the history behind those names were recorded appropriately. So in Tūrangi, if you drive through the town, you'll notice that all of the street names are our ancestors' names. But unfortunately, they got some of the, those spelling ro- uh, wrong and they also tried to cut our names in half. To make them fit so, on the sign. That's right. Uh, even Tūrangi is shortened. The correct name is Tūrangi Tukua, um, of our of our ancestor. So this process that we're going through now has taken a very, very long time. 
Um, and we are really pleased that the council saw that this is a, an important part of our relationship going forward, and it was only right that the names were changed to the correct form. Now, Tina Puro, is it just going to be a matter of time before we're going to be calling Turangi Turangi Tukua? Well, that's our hope and that's our dream, but um, we're taking baby steps and so is the council and we understand that um, these issues can sometimes be sensitive for the wider community, but our, our Māori committee uh, and and with the Charitable Trust supporting them, have done a really good job in ensuring that the council understands the importance of changing the names. And, I, and again, I just want to reiterate how important it has been also to have a council that has really seen the vision and um, recognises the importance of the tangata whenua in Turangi. Uh, so, you know, we want, we want to make sure that all of our, our names are changed to the correct names, but we're, we're, it's a long journey, and we're taking this as a really good one in that journey. Kia ora, tēnaporo no tūwhare toa. That's the hapu position. How about the Taupo District Council? Had it not been for the 1998 Waitangi Tribunal Settlement, would the correcting of the place names and signs take place at all? District Manager of Public Parks and Spaces, John Rudge, from the Taupo District Council, explains their position and the more practical considerations. So back in 1998, there was negotiations around a deed of settlement, which was uh, which was settled in 98. Now, part of um, those negotiations was a conversation that uh, Nati Turangitokua had around um, the names of streets and reserves in Turangi. Now, the Crown at the time felt that that's something that couldn't be dealt with during the um, the settlement, uh, the data settlement discussions. So as a result, they passed that to the then community board. So what's I guess what's prompted it is when there was a change in management in 2011. Here it was, it was quite clear that um, this is one of the items that had not been followed through by the community board uh, from '98. So we've we obviously recognised that and started discussions with. Uh, the chair of Nati Turingi Tukawa to um, to start moving forward on on putting um, putting this right. Did the drive to have the street names changed, well, actually corrected, did that come from the Turangi Tongariro Community Board? Did that have to come from there first? It, so back in '98, the community board were um, the community board wrote to um, the Marae Committee. Um, and suggested that... The but the Marae Committee isn't responsible for street signs. That's a council sorry, responsibility, sorry, isn't it? Yep. Um, so it was driven by the community board, yes, sorry, in 2011, in terms of promises made by previous boards and not, not following through. But the boards, community boards, aren't responsible for changing street signs. I mean, that's a legislative change that needs to occur, and that has to happen through central government. Uh, no, no. Local road names can be uh, it's the responsibility of local government. So local government, so that's the Topol District Council. So can anyone um, contact the council to have street names changed? In theory, yes. There's a whole process you need to go through um, involving council resolutions and um, communications with various you know, central government bodies. But yeah, in theory... That could happen. Okay, so all right. So, how many street names are being changed, or in the I guess from the opinion of the locals, 
the tangata whenua are being corrected? Yep, so there's um, three reserve names, so names of reserves within the within the town centre. And what are they at the moment? Um, there's Crescent Reserve, there's McLaren Park, and um, Cherry Tree Reserve. Yes, and what have they been changed to? So you have to put, excuse my pronunciation, I'm afraid, so uh, Tekapua Park, is McLa- McLaren Park will become Tekapua Park. Um, Cherry Tree Reserve comes to Cocoa Reserve, and Crescent Reserves becomes Kohini Heke Reserve. And what are the street names that have been corrected? Oh, there's, there's. How many of them are there? There's fourteen. So without, uh, yeah, we'd have, we'd be there forever going through it all. And what does it actually mean? What does that actually mean in terms of? Okay, so the. District councils agreed to change the names of these places, but what does that actually mean for the community itself? I guess for the community, this is uh, um, well. There's two. There's two. I guess there's two sides to it. I, I suppose from um, the Nazi Turangi Tukawa, this is about conversations had back in '98. Um, agreed with the board and following through on those those agreements. So it's very much about our current community board. Um, fundamentally, it's about the relationship with Turing and Tucker and getting that on a on a on a really good footing. And this is one of one of those aspects. Uh, I suppose from people who've been here since the um, since Turing became you know was a was a um, power town and developed um, in the 50s and from a power town and then it's gone. You know, gone on from there. Um, there's obviously more recent history, um, which needs to come through as well. So, uh, I guess there's two aspects to it. Uh, we it, it's got to be careful not to remove recent history. So we need to be able to recognise that in some shape or form. And in the past, that was done by street names, but we think there's probably other ways we can recognise that. Uh, what do you mean by recent history, John? When I, well. I, the names that are being changed were were engineers within the power scheme, so their in, their involvement in the town was recognised by having streets named after them. Um, or so, for instance, uh, Gibson uh, Todd Place or Gibson Street were named after um, were named after engineers at the time. Street names were named after engineers that were part of the initial establishment of Tūrangi as a power town, yep. right? Yeah. Now, that's viewed as recent history? That's viewed as recent history, yep. But there's obviously... Turangi has a lot of prehistory to the, um, to the power town. What's coming through with the change of street names is, is the Whakapapa coming through. So, fundamentally, the street name changes are to complete the uh, Whakapapa recognition around the town. And so has there been some... Backlash around the engineers' names being removed from the street names and the uh, history of the town. The names being the na- those names replacing those engineers' names. Um, I think backlash is a bit strong. There's certainly been some concern um, from you know from residents who've been here probably since the power power scheme was here. You know about rec- continuing to recognise. The input those engineers had into the town. Uh, I, I wouldn't say it was backlash. I think I think most people are, are very.
very accepting of the changes, to be honest. And what happens in terms of maps and Google Maps and things like that? Yep, all that needs to be changed. There's a whole process to go through. There's things like uh, the yellow pages, you know, changing the addresses in the yellow pages, um, websites, a whole heap of things that need to, need to change. But that will be done over a period of time. We, we You can't rush these things. Um, and we have some procedures that we go through when we do these name changes. Um, and it, it's generally done over a fairly lengthy period of maybe 12 months to, 12 months to two years. Now, there is a process that you're going through to do this, aren't you? It isn't necessarily erecting new signs up immediately. You are following steps, aren't you? Yep. So what we've what we've agreed to do is put... Um, we're going to have two signs up. Um, the roads are continue to be named um, as they are for the next six months, but during the six months we'll be erecting a second sign underneath the old sign, and then after about six months that will then be removed and replaced. And a lot of this is to tie in with things like um, the post office being able to get changes through their systems and like, so we can't rush things through. Um, and there's, there's businesses affected. There's residential properties, but there's businesses affected, which we've got to be careful not to impose a huge costs on them immediately. Um, so we've, we've got to take this slowly, but um, I think everyone knows we need to take it slowly, and we've um, been very careful not to raise expectations that it'll happen overnight. But the costs are actually quite minimal. Yeah, signage is quite minimal, but um, there are obviously un, un, unknown costs at the moment, for instance, particularly around businesses. So we, we are intending to go and knock on every business's door, have a conversation with them, explain exactly what's going on, and uh, try and work out what their costs are and how we can uh, remediate that in some shape or form. And just looking at the list of uh, street names that are going to be changed, some of them, are, it's pretty minimal minimal changes there. There's tear that's getting put in front of some of them. There's also uh, a couple of spelling mistakes to me that looks like they're getting corrected. Yep, absolutely. It is quite minimal. Um, and that's why I think every, most people are quite accepting. You know, there are one or two you know, fairly major changes in some people's minds, but, you know, we've, we, we just manage that with just really talking to people, making sure they're totally aware of why this is happening. And, John, when you were going through this process, was there a court at all? about the use of macrons? Uh, no. <laughs> no, there wasn't. Even though Topo Nui Atea has macrons all over the... Nothing. Nothing about macrons. No, there wasn't. No. Because effectively, no. macrons can be... If you don't have a macron above something, that can be viewed as a spelling mistake too. Yeah, that's right. Um, we've we've worked very closely with, with Naita Turing Tukuri on this. The, the names have come from, from them. We've been very clear to, uh, you know, to... For for that, you know, for the names to be correct, exactly how Nottingham want to see the um, the street names. So, uh, I guess the, the Macron issue is a discussion to have with uh, with the uh, with that committee. Topol District Council, eh? being yeah. revolutionary. Yep. Yeah. I have, well, I won't say revolution. We were just putting wrong. We're, we've put in right things that were promised years ago, and we're just making sure we. Um, it's all about relationships with us. We want to have good relationships with people. And uh, if this is a one step of, of achieving that, then that's what we do. Had it not been for that Treaty of Waitangi settlement, would the District Council have gone down this path anyway? Who knows? But it's there. It's there now. 
Kia ora. John Rudd and Tina Poro of Ngāti Turangi Tukua was earlier. Now, we don't have photos as of yet, but as soon as the transition takes place, we'll be sure to grab some. Now, there are all these ways of contacting us. Facebook, check it. He mama noi hotera. Easy as. Emera. Email tiahika at radioNZ.co.nz. And there's the old snail mail whanau, Radio New Zealand, PO Box 123, Wellington. We love hearing from you. Namahikia koe e Huata Buchanan. Ngā marae o te motu. I'm going to talk about uh, Oromo Mai Marae. I'm going to talk about uh, how this place come to be. I go back uh, in the 1960s. A lot of people moved and transitioned to cities to look for work. And among the numbers of Maoris that moved into cities, into Auckland, into Hamilton maybe, uh, certainly not Gisborne because that's a dead end, but certainly down this way, and among them was me. But there's uh, another reason why I came down here, but uh, I'll leave that. But in the 60s, we came down here, myself, working in the motor industry, building motor cars. General Motors, a big name, headquarters in Detroit. And I worked for them for 29 years. I retired from that company in 1989. So uh, all during that time, uh, I stayed with the one company. In the 1966-67, the changeover of the decimal currency and in the month of uh, the Wahine disaster, uh, we moved to Trentham, uh, the motor industry, General Motors, New Zealand Limited. Not knowing there are a lot of people here, a few Maoris, that had done the same thing as me. To cut a long story short, I got, uh, I met up with one or two people from Upper Hutt. One namely, Kemara Tukukino, who is, a, who is an inspector of courts throughout New Zealand. And uh, we got talking, and I got to know him, and I made friends with the guy. Now, when I found out that uh, General Motors is going to move to Trentham, uh, my wife and I applied to the Māori and Island Affairs for a property in Upper Hutt to build a house, knowing the future, our future employers will be in this area. We were living in Low Hutt at the time. So, uh, uh, and I cut another long story short, we ended up getting the property and we got a house built in 1970. We moved up here in 1970 and I then found out that in 1964, 65, a number of people were looking at trying to build a whare nui or a place to meet in the community in Upper Hutt. There were one or two uh, deaths in families and uh, normally it's in your house uh, and we're trying to get into there and sometimes there might be someone else so they looked at trying to get together money to build a marae. And among this crowd of people was a, a lady by the name of uh, Harriet of Jaspers, 
uh, names like Ned Nathan, and uh, they, uh, among others, were involved in Wahine Tokoteora, which is the Māori Women's Welfare League. They set up in Awakairangi here. So, with these community groups all banding together, then took a bit of time to get the ball rolling, which, of course, included the all-important putia, money. So, from that time on to the 70s, their, their progress of gathering some amount of money and also uh, running raffles and houses, any way they can make to, to, to gather some money. In 1970, they held a big coin carnival in Upper Hutt to raise funds, and they drew in all the companies, General Motors, TVL, Dunlops, uh, the Army, the community itself, all pulled in to raise funds for this complex. In 1972, 73, and there was a problem with getting the land. Uh, we had two or three areas marked out, and the objections overruled. So eventually we got this place here, which owned, was owned by the railways, New Zealand Railways. And through knowing members of the council and peoples in specific places, we, uh, we were able to, 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 to lease some of it and purchase part of it. So the building started to take effect in 1974, 75. In 1976, Romo was built. They built the, 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 the first complex out there. It was built by H.L. Parker, who had the contract. So we used that as our place of meeting. Mawai Hakuna Māori Culture Group in its heyday performed concerts and travelled overseas in the early 1960s. The name is the traditional Māori name for the Trentham area in Upper Hutt. The president and tutor for the group was the late Jock McEwen, a Scotsman whose work involved the political and social advancement of Māori. A fluent speaker of Te Reo Māori and Nguyen, Jock was a carving tutor and led the carving work of Kahukura, the whare nui at Orongomai Marae. He died in 2010 at the age of 95. A lot of the members of that culture group became foundation members of this marae. It just uh, rolled over. The same people were here and the same people had the same desire and some of the relatives of those same people were instrumental in the initial dream to have a marae built. So uh, Mawai Hakuna, uh, the club, moved up here and then that place then was established. So we were able to deal with our tangi to a point. The, the, the building wasn't designed for such. We built a small foyer to hold a tupapaku in. And uh, we had to change things to allow Manuhiri to come in, which uh, would never survive back home. But we're remembering we're in an urban area. Things were starting to change. Some of the 
Chicana, the Kawa, some little things were taking effect. And uh, some of us looked at the dangers that uh, we continued there, so uh, others as well thought, you know, at about time we start looking at another part of the Monai complex in terms of a Farinui, a Farifakaita. And uh, then again, another big climb to see if we could get food there. By then, there were access to a lot of grants. We had a lot of help. And uh, again, to cut a long story, 13 years after, this place was completed, Tahukura. Now, the initial opening of Oromai was done by Tuhoe, the people from Tuhoe. They, as we would know, uh, removed the tuk, the alfiorangi, from the carvings. Uh, the 13 years after, this was opened by Ta Kingi Ihaka at the time prior to his death, 87 yen, 87, 80, 80, 89. So uh, that was the ceremony that took place here, which was conducted by the Hahi. Now, we look in the forehead here, as everything you can see here, uh, a carving is done voluntarily, except for one popo in this building, the rest was koha, all given to the marae. The uh, post and telegraph the, the harbour, the wharf, the power board, some of the golf clubs around locally, golf clubs in Wairarapa had trees and timber that was donated to this marae. And uh, of course then you needed someone to materialise a figure out of Tane's body. We already had the guy here. Uh, his name was Jock McEwen, and he was the secretary of Maori and Ireland Affairs at the time. Uh, a secretary to, to Matthew Rata when he was in power. Now, Jock was the master carver. The completion of the, of the carvings in Rongomai was done by Jock, myself, at Tamati Tapara from Whanganui. He's since passed on. There's limited amount of carvings in there. He's just got a toko. It's got the whakawai. It's got two uh, pares. And the whakapapa in there pertains to Auntie Rokawa, to uh, uh, Auntie Dovish. Uh, there's whakapapa that's in that part of the building. And from the time that was opened, 76, Seven, eight, nine, all the way through, we were doing carvings in a, a building in the army camp at Trenton. We were designated one of the units, one of the uh, barracks, to store all our rako. And uh, of course, the job became so big, uh, more than two people can do. So, Jock uh, involved Weetako Prison inmates out on parole leave the weekends 
on church parole to teach them how to carve. That started the ball rolling. It eventually, Jock went up to Wetaka Prison at the time, now known as Rimutaka Prison, and engaged a lot of those people, those inmates, that has now gone on, moved on, and they left their legacy, their marks of their ads, their chisels in this building. All the Paramount tribes are represented in this body. Uh, the gentleman again, in his wisdom, he included that kuya we had here, Akirere, and he said that'll cover the whole of the Marquesas, that particular photo. And I said earlier on that the whole of Upper Hutt was involved in fundraising for this place. Kiri ma, kiri ma. Fair skin and dark skin took part in fundraising this place. And in fact, this place was at the time, and still is, uh, the Upper Valley Morai Community Centre. That's where you are at right now. Romomai Morai is a portal. The Upper Valley Morai Community Centre. That's the, the term of this place. Still known today. The fact of that title tells us it's a community centre. How can it be a community centre? Because everyone's involved. Because everyone's involved, Jock, again in his wisdom, carved a carving that will represent those who hasn't got standing in here. I say Jock McCarran, eh? he's a Scotsman. And I, I wonder how many Māori would have thought of that or have included the South Pacific. But the man was, he was a brilliant orator. Jock is an authority, authority on Whakairo. He's an authority on Whakapapa. He's also an authority on the South Pacific languages. Now the Whakapapa of Rongomai is a mystique. Some of us will know if I go into with the pool, with the motor, with the road, the aqua, the air, with the fear, the one you, the colleague of the poor, Kurangi Kupapa, Dan, in the Ahune, in the Ahune, he ratua, he had a kaputukatira tangat, it was then mortal, right on the swift. Rongomai was one of those demigods, it's a comet. So I said to Jock, how can I fuck up a long way to me? I can't, he's a god. So we are unable to do what we can in some of the forest. Maybe Tamate Ariki Nui, oh, I can fuck up from that thing. Tamate Pokai Fenua, oh yes, I know the fuck up upper. Throw Rangi down to them, yeah. All that. But we can't do that. But the representation are here of all those tribes. Now, members of the early uh, committee, one or two of them still around. We had a 50th anniversary here for Maui Hakona. And Maui Hakona is Oromomai. Uh, 
the members of Oromo Mai, uh, members of Mawai Hakuna before Oromo Mai came on board, are still here. From day one, some of the fires and uh, who manned our paipai, quite a few of them have moved on, uh, but uh, other generations are coming through and our Monaco, our desires, we leave something behind for those who are coming up. Uh, you almost can count on one hand now those that came through that journey on this Moraiti stage. Hemi then talks about the other buildings of Orongomai Marae. Oh, the, the other whare is uh, Orongomai. Oh. This is Orongomai, uh, Kahukura. Okay. The Marae is Orongomai. You know, any word beginning with O is a place of, like Opotama, a place of Opotama, or Taki, a place of Taki. You heard the part of Taki, eh? Kapua Nehau, Teonegitona Ringa, Kota Toko Toko, Tūroa, Kafiti Tewoki, Whanganui. I heard that, right? Part of the year. Yeah, that's Orongomai. That's the place of Rongomai. This is Kahukura. Whare further, Whare Mataurangā is uh, next door is a place of learning. We have students there. We have doing uh, uh, different classes. Uh, and we have a health centre. It's another part of the complex. Yeah, so they cater for a lot of things, and it's pretty well, pretty well uh, utilised, you know. But then, of course, you know, if the forest stands by itself, it becomes dormant. When you come here, you bring the place alive. It's you people that makes it alive. Otherwise, as soon as you walk out the door, it's closed and cold, gone, dead. Mm. As soon as you come in here, you start talking. Well, we all know that. Any whareinui you go, you can fall in. If you walk into a whareinui, you get all sorts of feelings. Feel it. Can't see it, but you feel it. That's good vibes. I hope that this whare can give some of that to you people. Ngā marae o te motu. Kia ora, he mikara, talking about Orongomai Marae Upper Heart Wellington. Head to our webpage radioinz.co.nz forward slash theahika to listen to that uh, korero again. Aida, Aneira Kimo Winiata with this week's Whakatahuki using kupu from the Waiata from his latest album, Te Kawa Tuarua. E hoa ma, kia kaharata tau ki te. Whāngai nei i ngā tini pūrākau, penei ngā tūā, penei ngā tūpūnā, kia pakarira wa te tūā tēnei whākutu pūrāngā. Now that line there uh, comes from the song Eara, and what that is pushing is that we need to ensure that we keep our stories, our traditional stories alive, about the gods, about our ancestors, so that today's generation and tomorrow's generation can stand firm on the solid foundation. Kia ora. Next week, the Waiata Māori Music Awards in Hastings. And we check in with writer, actor, director, Tammy Davis. Also, it's my last week. For some time, tune in, we'll tell you all about it. Engari, he mihi tēnei ki nga kai kōrero i tēnei wiki. Atu i tērā. He mihi aroha tēnei ki te whānau a Jackie Tekani. 
Jackie Tikani passed away on Tuesday of this week. She was the past national president of Te Ropu Wahine Māori Toko Iteora between 1999 and 2002, and she held the position of general manager of the Māori Women's Welfare League. Nā reira kei tuatū ki tērā, kia koutou hoki te whānau pani, nā mihi aroha, kia koutou. Hohi mai hei tērā wiki, mai te whānau a te ahi kā, kia tātai katoa, Māori ora.